0: Hello! Welcome to My Secret Obsession. I'm Cherish Lively, and today we are reading Avenging Kiss. It's the second book in the Savage Security series. Romantic and complex, this psychological thriller delivers twists and turns as you get a peek into each character's perspective. Readers are saying, this book has everything. Action, mystery, revenge, and romance. It's a great follow-up to Blood Kiss. So, get comfy, turn up the volume, and let's read a book. Chapter 17. Shocked didn't begin to define Cole's emotional state as he read the encrypted email from Captain Wallace from the Department of Defense. This job dangled a lure they couldn't resist. The details of the assignment resembled what they'd done in the past while still in the military, rather than their current role as contract workers for corporations on intellectual and on-site security. Fortunately, They'd maintained their clearances so they could work contract assignments with government agencies when needed. Cole looked over the information he'd received again while he mentally ticked off the names of the men he needed for the assignment. Although they each had a personal stake in this job, Cole knew they would complete this job as professionals. The men's voices filtered through Cole's open office door. He shut down his computer and walked into the hallway. The strong fragrance of Bella's flowers tickled his nose. His head was going to kill him by the end of the day. He sure hoped she took that obscenely large arrangement home tonight. If she started to leave without it, he'd have to say something to her. No way was he smelling those things for another day. Cole stepped up to Bella's desk, trying not to breathe in the invisible cloud of pollen that orbited her desk. She looked up at him and smiled. He'd always liked her demeanor. She was compassionate without being moody, He figured that she was a good fit for his men. She knew how to adjust each of their personalities and wasn't bothered by their occasional boorish behavior. She was always friendly without being flirty, which was perfect because he didn't approve of inter-office dating, and a minor inconvenience for Jack because he strongly believed in inter-office dating. "'Is everyone in?' Cole asked her. He studied the flowers. They looked pretty.' He could see why a woman would get excited about them, but he'd never send a woman an arrangement that large. It was cumbersome and would definitely be awkward to transport without damaging the pedals during the drive home. The arrangement screamed poor planning on the sender's part. He was not impressed. She was used to Cole skipping the small talk. It suited his personality. He didn't waver or question his decisions. Once he made a decision, he stuck with it. Yes, everyone is in, she replied. Good. Cole grabbed his phone from his hip and texted the necessary men to meet in the conference room. The chirp of their cells receiving the text echoed through the hallway. A few men filed out of their offices and walked into the conference room with their laptops in hand. Cole gave a quick nod to Bella and turned. He followed Ryan into the conference room. The large conference table was covered in laptops and surrounded by men with their arms crossed over their chests. "'Good to see everyone,' Cole began. Heads nodded, and a few murmurs could be heard. Now the heat dispensed of the pleasantries, Cole barreled right into his monologue. "'I received an email from Captain Wallace with the DOD. You've all heard of him. A few of you have met him. He's a good man.' Cole respected and liked Captain Wallace." but he hated playing chess with the man. The captain managed to look at every situation from every possible angle. He was great at predicting the actions of his opponent and excelled at applying his predatory skills to every game he played. Cole gave a sharp nod and continued. We are being asked to help locate an assassin. The powers at B have dubbed her Black Widow. A few chuckles broke the quiet reserve of the men. I know. Cole lifted a shoulder and a shrug. Not very original, but it suits her. The DOD has known about her existence for a while, but they didn't think she was worth the effort to take her down. She hadn't caused problems for us because she chooses the cream of the shit crop for her hits. She's taken out some big names in the drug and human trafficking business, along with men with ties to terrorism. It appears that she lures them into a relationship. Cole raised an eyebrow as he thought about his words. A situation where the man lowers his defenses and then she strikes. It wasn't hard to figure out what the situation was. Sex. The only time men that dangerous lowered their defenses was when their focus was consumed by their primal desire. Tyson didn't like the kind of men who trafficked drugs or humans. He could see why people would want those low lives dead and understood how easy it would be to turn a blind eye to her work. He would. These men have made some serious enemies. How do they know all the kills are hers? Tyson asked. Cole opened a folder on the laptop and photos popped up on the smart board. It had been a long time since they'd seen shit like this. Photos of naked men sprawled out on beds or sleeping mats filled the screen. The men were predominantly Middle Eastern with full beards and big guts, blood drained from their temples and eyes, and dried in rivulets down their cheeks. Their throats were slit, and pools of blood circled their heads in messy halos. But there was no denying their commonality. The same word was carved out on each of their chests as a morbid reminder of their status in life. Sinner. She leaves a calling card, Cole continued. As you can see, she uses an owl or some other sharp-pointed tool, he motioned with his hand, to puncture through their temples and jab out their eyes. Then she scrawls sinner on their chests. By doing so, she defiles and dishonors these men at death. Ryan recognized what she was doing. She was branding them with the word that defined and shamed their existence and their treatment of others. As far as she was concerned, those men deserved the death she gave them. So what's changed? Ryan asked. Why are we getting involved? This is where it gets interesting, Cole continued. No one minded her killing spree as long as she stuck to killing the shit scum of the world, but everything changed a few days ago. Cole hated this part. He hated giving this kind of news. One of our own was killed, and she left her calling card at the scene. I'm sorry to tell you that Lieutenant Aaron Shaw was killed. Cole clicked the mouse again, and the image of Lieutenant Shaw stared at them from the screen. Shaw's image cut deep. The big redhead never lost his cool when everything went to hell. He was one of the good guys. They were the good guys. They were the ones working and bleeding to protect the people of the Middle East from the marauding terrorists who viciously destroyed innocent lives and cities without a second thought. There was no reason that Shaw should have died like that. Jack liked Shaw. They had played countless games of Call of Duty while stuck on a ship waiting for orders he had also gone drinking with Shaw while on leave. The man knew how to have fun, but he was always professional while on a mission. What would his family think when they saw his body? "'Does his family know?' Jack asked. "'No family should see their loved ones so brutalized.' Cole sighed. They know about his death, but not the details. As of right now, they believe that he died during a mission. Cole tossed his hand out in a sweeping gesture— and set his hands on his hips. His body has already been cremated. He paused and let the information sink in. He couldn't decide if the family should know the details or be spared that. He wouldn't want his parents to know that he died at the hands of a vigilante woman while he was having sex with her. I know it's hard to see this. Cole minimized the pictures so they only saw the photos of the other men. He shouldn't have died like that. But Captain Wallace has people looking into reasons why he'd be targeted. That's where we come in. It appears that all of us have worked with Lieutenant Shaw on a mission that unfortunately had some collateral damage. Mike knew where this was heading Operation Recluse. The Recluse referred to Abdul Hashim. He'd been linked with sponsoring, planning, and carrying out terrorist activities. Abdul Hashim had been considered a recluse because he was hard to find. He constantly moved the training camps that he ran and he didn't go out in public because he didn't trust the general population. Instead, he stayed away, surrounded only by his sycophants and men stupid enough to sacrifice their lives for the advancement of Abdul Hashim's ideology. That strategy had worked for him until they received some good intel and blasted his ass to hell. Cole clicked another file on the computer and new images popped up. You all remember Operation Recluse? The men nodded. That operation had been a big success. Taking out Abdul Hashem It sent tingles of delight coursing through the toughest and most stoic of men. Cole continued, There is concern that the Black Widow may be targeting those involved with Operation Recluse. Lucky for us, we have a picture of her. We are being asked to help on this because of our tie to Operation Recluse. The DOD doesn't want to waste their resources finding her, but they do want her to be found. Cole clicked the mouse, and a new photo popped up. A woman, covered from head to toe in a black abaya and hijab, stared at them. She even wore a niqab that covered her face. Only a grainy image of her eyes peered out from behind the slits of her facade of modesty. Jack barked a laugh and pointed at the image. We're going to need more than that to go on. She looked more like an amorphous ghost draped in black than a woman. Cole nodded. No kidding. That will be Logan's focus. Cole pointed a finger at Logan. He will work with the photo to try and sharpen the details. Logan knew this was a long shot. Grainy pictures didn't suddenly become clear with magnification, no matter how many times it was done on television. Mike cocked his head. What makes him so sure this is the woman? Cole clicked again, and three more pictures popped up. Several of the kills occurred inside hotels, the security forces and Uncle Sam have confiscated the footage from the security cameras nearby. Using measurements from her apparent height and body frame, there's one figure that popped up at each location. Cole pointed to the image on the board, and this is her. Tyson leaned forward and rested his thick arms on the table. Is it possible that those are pictures of different women with the same body type? That outfit hides an awful lot of her body. Logan cleared his throat and replied, Yes. As you can see, the images of her eyes are through the narrow slits of her niqab. There are no other distinguishing details present. There isn't a woman in that part of the world who doesn't have that outfit. It's the equivalent of the little black dress there. True, Cole said. But we have her DNA. That piqued Mike's attention. How did they get that? How do they know it's hers? No matter how perfect the crime, they always make a mistake, Cole said. We have her vaginal fluid. She actually fucked those bastards? Ryan was impressed. That took dedication to work to a whole new level. Three of the murders occurred in cities, advanced enough to have a real police force, with a crime scene team that gathered DNA and other clues. They were able to match the same DNA to several of the victims. Tyson adjusted himself in the chair. That ties the woman to the murders. But why would she go from killing terrorists to killing a decorated war hero? The night of Operation Recluse, after the bombing, we retrieved DNA to confirm the kills. As you know, there were some females in the camp. When they ran the Black Widow's DNA, they got a flag. Whoever this woman is, Cole pointed to her image. She's a familial match to one of the women killed that night. Revenge? That would make sense. But Lieutenant Shaw didn't deserve to die. Logan hated to think about the innocents who were killed or maimed in any attack. But in all honesty, if your besties with terrorists, then you're adding yourself to the big red dot centered on their target. If the woman was with one of the men, then she knew what they were doing just because she wasn't training or killing others, didn't make her innocent. She'd been a supporter of that ideology, even if she wasn't an active killer. Cole took another deep breath and assembled his thoughts. So, for now, those of us who worked on that mission are to consider ourselves a target. I don't want any of your pictures ending up on this screen. Keep alert, and keep it in your pants. Logan felt sick. He needed to tell Cole about Aditya. After hearing about this assignment, Cole would insist on a complete background check and would probably want to meet her to get a feel for her. Logan knew that was reasonable, but he didn't want to put Aditya through that. What if she was offended and dropped him? Women disliked being accused of being a killer. Besides, Logan knew there was no way Aditya was a trained killer. She was sweet, intelligent and had the innocent eyes of someone who'd never seen the darkness that destroys so many. But still, he knew a background check had to be done. Chapter 18 Shit. Aditya's heart thudded with remorse as she listened in on Cole's meeting with the men. She'd taken her revenge a step too far when she killed the American lieutenant. If she'd stuck with killing the terrorists and rapists, she could have gone on forever but killing the American pulled in the American military and government. They would no longer ignore her actions now that she'd killed one of their own. She knew living as an assassin would eventually catch up to her, and she was okay with that. The men she'd killed deserved to die. Each day they lived compounded the pain and suffering of others. She likened herself to an avenging angel, minus the supernatural gifts. She wasn't that different from Logan or his friends. Etching sinner into their chests had been foolish. Of course, that's what they were. But that tag also linked their deaths. She'd wanted to shame and dishonor the men in their deaths, let their families see them from what they were. That was why she'd done it. They needed to be shamed. But that was a foolish act, and her DNA would do her in. She never, ever thought of wiping down the men's genitals when she was done. Stupid. Aditya had debated about going after the Americans. She knew it would take her from being labeled a nuisance to a viable threat that ought to be taken out. But ultimately, after talking with Hazim, she decided to go after the Americans. After the attack on the training camp, she'd learned that Hazim had escaped. She'd found him recuperating in another training camp. He looked bad when she saw him. Cuts covered his body and she wasn't sure if the long one down his torso would kill him. The scar had been jagged and flaming red. Part of her hoped the infection would kill him, slowly ravage his body until it completely shut down. It was his actions that had put Rhea smack dab in the center of a kill list. But another part of her wanted him alive. She wanted his partnership in going after the American team that had killed her sister. She knew he'd be a willing participant. He loved killing. The only problem she'd have would be to walk the thin line of stroking his ego and puffing him up without debasing herself. She never understood how Ria could allow herself to become a shadow walking behind a man. That wasn't how they'd been raised. And then, just a few days ago, Aditya's contact emailed her the location and movements of Lieutenant Shaw. She knew that he'd be the hardest one to get. He would disappear for long stretches of time while so many of the other men that were involved with her sister's death were living the high life in America. She knew she was taking a chance going after him. Informants could be turned, or even make stuff up in hopes of a payout, and there was always a possibility that she could be walking into a trap. But she had to at least look into the information. She needed to see Lieutenant Shaw with her own eyes. Aditya had chartered a private plane under a fake name and traveled to Iraq. She'd gone over every detail on her flight, from research completed by informants. She knew the intimate details about Lieutenant Shaw, what he liked to eat and drink, the type of women he usually betted. His preference seemed to be blondes, but blondes were not as prevalent in the Middle East as they were in Europe and America. Thankfully, the good lieutenant would graciously go to bed with any woman that offered, and Aditya had definitely planned to offer. She waited outside the American base, hoping to catch sight of him. His look was very distinct. At six foot four, with hair the color of a raging fire, he'd be easy to spot. He pulled out of the base with another man in a jeep. The hot wind pulled at his scraggly red hair as he laughed at something the other man said. She'd known where they were going. There was a hotel nearby that catered to Europeans and Americans. It boasted a full bar with live music, decent food, and willing women. After donning her black garments and niqab, she'd made her way into the hotel. Other than the cameras that covered the entrances and exits, security at the hotel was poor. One only had to get inside to enjoy privacy. Aditya had entered the hotel a few feet behind the men, as they'd headed towards the bar. She'd walked directly to the bathroom off the lobby. Entering the stall... She quickly removed her outer clothes and shoved them in her bag. Then she stopped in front of the bathroom mirror to check her appearance. After adjusting her skirt, she decided to open another button on her shirt. While he'd get a peek at her cleavage, she'd still look like a respectable woman. Playing a whore gathered too much attention. She'd added a touch of lipstick and powdered her face. And finally, she'd adjusted the Kanzashi Geisha sticks in her hair to make sure they would be easily accessible. Hidden inside the sticks was a sharp two-sided blade. They were thin and slid easily from the decorative case, and after one more look in the mirror, she was ready. She'd walked into the bar with the confidence of a Western woman and noticed Lieutenant Shaw sitting alone at the bar. His friend was dancing with a woman. His hand was palming her ass, and he pulled her close to his body. Aditya didn't waste time. She needed to get to Shaw before he found someone to screw. She'd slipped onto the barstool next to him and offered him a shy smile. He'd grinned as he raked his gaze over her. His high wattage smile had nearly knocked her over. The heat in his gaze, as he'd mentally undressed her, pleased her. She returned his smile and stared at his muscular arms as she bit into her bottom lip. With that one interaction, she knew that he wanted her. He'd come to the hotel in search of sex, and she didn't plan to disappoint. He'd been such an easy target. Arrogant men never realized the threat a woman could pose to them, and she'd tirelessly worked that advantage. They'd quickly exchanged names and engaged in meaningless chatter, but once she'd stroked his knee, he'd taken the bait and asked her to join him in his room. She played coy at first, acting as if she needed to think about it, But then he leaned in close and whispered in her ear promises of pleasure. And then, as he'd pulled away, he fully tugged on her earlobe with his teeth. She'd responded by stroking higher on his thigh. That worked for him. And he stood to go back to the room. His pants had tinted nicely. Apparently, it didn't take much to turn him on. She'd followed him to the room. He'd unlocked the door and waited for her to enter first. As she'd stood in the entrance, He'd closed the door and turned the bolt. After a dangerous smile, he lifted her and pressed her against the wall with his muscular body. She'd instinctively wrapped her legs around his waist and her arms around his neck. The pressure of his body against her had lit her up. He knew how to kiss, and Aditya realized that fucking him could be fun. So many of the other men she'd entertained cared little about her pleasure. She hadn't expected much from those low lifes anyway. But little had they known that there was nothing more erotic than the warmth of your prey's blood washing over your skin as you take their life. To the bed, she panted, as he ripped open her blouse and palmed her breasts. He'd removed her skirt as they shuffled their way to the bed, and when he tossed her onto the mattress, she laughed and spread her legs. His eyes had lit up at the sight of her dark pussy through her lace panties. He bent over her and slipped his fingers into the lace and pulled them off, while she tore off her bra. His mouth had found her nipples as his hand worked her pussy. She'd been so glad that she'd decided to spend time with him. It had been a long time since she'd had a good fuck. She removed his clothes, while his hands and mouth did wonderful things to her body. I want to ride you, she whispered as she stroked him. Anything the lady wants, he said as he rolled onto his back and pulled her atop him. She'd slid down and embraced his cock inside her body. She'd love the look on his face. Pure pleasure. As she'd ridden him, he touched and sucked at her. When his hands went into her hair and pulled out the sticks that had held her hair in place, she'd almost tensed. Luckily, he dropped the sticks onto the sheet beside them and pulled his fingers through her hair. I had to see it. Your hair is amazing. He groaned as he fisted her hair. She continued to ride him as he buried his face in her hair and sucked at her neck. Lay back, she said as she pressed against his chest. I promise the view is better. She smiled and brought his hands to her breasts. He lay back and watched her body rise and fall on him, his hands working the soft flesh of her breasts. she picked up the pace, and his eyes started to close as his pleasure built. She truly enjoyed the sensations flooding her body, and she praised him with all the sounds he wanted to hear. He groaned, and couldn't resist taking her nipple into his mouth. Leaning forward, he'd sucked her hard, his teeth grazing her sensitive flesh, and she felt the pleasure wash through her. She pressed one hand behind his head, holding him at her breast, and ground herself in his cock. She felt his body tense, waiting for her to go over the edge first. That was when she wrapped her hand around the geisha stick and let herself shatter. His fingers dug into her waist, moving her up and down on his cock as he let himself go. As he'd groaned and his body worked through his orgasm, she'd slid the thin blade free and slammed it through his temple and into his brain. His hands reflexively gripped her more tightly, and she pushed him onto the mattress and drew the blade across his neck. His warm blood slicked her hands, and she jabbed the blade into each eye. It had only taken her a few seconds to kill a man who'd seemed indestructible. How many near-death experiences had he had? How many times had bullets and bombs threatened his life? And then, to know that she could kill a giant with a few quick, well-placed movements was almost orgasmic in itself. I hope you enjoyed the reading for today. I'm excited to share this novel with you. It's one of my favorites. If you have not had a chance to listen to Blood Kiss, you may want to do that. It can be found in episodes 27 through 37 but don't worry, Avenging Kiss stands on its own. To keep up with the various novels and authors that we will feature, you can follow my secret obsession on Facebook, Instagram, and X at Cherish Lively, or visit the website at tinyurl.com cherishlively Cherish Lively. Goodbye!